All right, everybody, thanks for being here. This is Paris B. The Reb. Thanks for joining the Reb Illusion. I don't claim to know everything, but you can talk to me about anything. We have some very special guests in the studio today. You know, a kindergarten teacher, once giving a geography lesson, asked her st- young students, What's the shape of the world? And one little boy raised his hand and said, Right now, not too good. Well, if you look at the shape of the world today, especially from the point of view of the economy, some people would say it's not too good. But people like W. Honig in the Parnassa Expo last year and the year before tried to make a connection between businesses, the businesses, and also people looking for work. But a way to generate a flow of Parnassa of livelihood by having a business-to-business event and networking where cover-to-cover, person-to-person, people would lend their expertise and skills and talents in order to get other people mainstreamed into the, into the job market, into, into careers. You know, in this week's Torah portion, it says that you should um, cover the iron with a layer of pure gold on the inside and outside, make a gold rim on its top. So if you look in the Gemara and Yoma, it says that there, there's a symbolization here, that a Talmud Chacham has to be pure inside as well as outside. And just as the Ark, which symbolized Torah knowledge, had gold on the outside and inside, so too a Talmud Chacham is not somebody who just walks the talk, who talks the talk, but he, he speaks wisdom on the outside and he internalizes it as well. You know, there are a lot of intellectuals, many that I can think of who, uh, when I attended uh, university years ago, and I'm not saying I was in the top half of my class, but I was in the part that made the top half possible. But I do, rem- <laughs> I do remember that a lot of those philosophical concepts that they uh, used to talk about, you know, love, 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 and, but it was really not, n- not anything that was substantive. In their own private lives, they were arrogant and really cared for their own ideas. To, consider, to be considered a Talmud Chacham, a Ben Torah, you have to carry those ideas with you. When you speak about lofty thoughts and ask yourself, am I experiencing them, am I living them, am I carrying them through, then you can say, yes, I'm a Ben Rabas Torah. And uh, if not, don't stop speaking about the ideals, just do something to fulfill them. That is a rather lengthy introduction to one of the people who is in the studio today, or actually both of these gentlemen. Tzvi Barlev is the CEO and founder of a, a group called Recursion. It's a world-renowned company, and Tzvi himself is a world-renowned consultant. He took time last year from his world traveling and from his uh, consulting with major Fortune 500 companies to attend the Parnassa Expo because he felt that it was fulfilling a need. And through the course of that experience, he was able to help quite a number of people, and one of those people is in this studio today, a rather remarkable individual who I know from a long time ago. So I'd like to begin. Svi, first of all, welcome to the microphones. And if you would, tell us a little bit about how the Parnassa Expo came to your attention, and when you were there, what you actually experienced that made you feel it was something that was erstwhile. Parrots, thank you so much for having us uh, on today. We want to help spread the message of the Parnassa Expo. It's such a wonderful event. Uh, When Duvi called me last year, I immediately agreed. Obviously, our community gives more tzedakah than anybody else we know that we're all responsible for each other rambam's highest category of tzedakah is to help a person find a job so that they don't need your charity anymore we all know how much that matters to people's pride and to their ability to wake up in the morning and to help other people 
So it goes from strength to strength. One mitzvah leads to another mitzvah. So I agreed immediately because it sounded like such a great event. And I have to say, and I think everybody would agree with me, we were told that this was going to be a very modest or even small event. When we got there, the lines were unbelievable. I mean, just to get in even as a speaker took me an hour. I think this year they will not be uh, so surprised by the number of people who showed up. Now, in some ways that's good, and in some ways that's bad. There's a tremendous need in our community for gainful employment. So the way the Parnassa Expo was set up was that there were several tracks, whether you were interested in breaking into financial services or medical. In our case, we were part of the technology track, and we had several experts um, and people who, uh, who had companies or who worked for companies in cybersecurity. We had uh, myself, we had a gentleman named uh, Levy Gross, who's a, um, a Chabadnik out of Crown Heights, who's a wonderful cybersecurity professional. We had a gentleman named Baruch Plagman, who uh, my friend Avram Mayer will tell you about a little bit more, who has a great consulting company called TechPar. And we had someone who it was very interesting for, for me to recruit him. Um, he's uh, Dovi Honig from um, Muncie. He's an actual sheriff. And Wait, he, you're, there's the Dovi Honig who founded the... Fort no, I'm Corners sorry, Dovi Honig. It's, is it Koenig? Oh, Koenig, okay. That's it. It's Koenig. I apologize. I call him Rabbi Koenig. And he is a cop. He has a gun. He tracks down bad guys. And he's a from guy with pay us down to here and sits us flying around with a gun. It's, it's quite inspiring. I hope he passes through security when he gets to the expo this year. Don't you worry. He okay. is the security. Okay. So um, what did the Parnassa Expo <coughs> do? We had dozens and dozens of people coming up to us saying, look, we don't know what to do. We don't know how to get jobs. And what we always try and do is just figure out what skills do you already have? We had people there who you could see they felt, well, I'm in my 50s or my 60s. What do I have to offer? Well, it turns out you have a lot to offer. You had people who were very young, some of whom really did have problems in that they don't speak English. And that needs to be something that needs to be addressed. Sure. So that's where we were, and we had quite a few success stories, and we had many people follow up with us later, and uh, we hope we could have been some help to them. It seems that uh, in, in the course of our conversation that uh, one of the people you met was Abra Mayer, and I'd like to hear his story, but I would just like to get one more um, take from you. And I know that you are, it's interesting, it's billed as a business-to-business exposition with a job fair. So it depends on where you put the gestalt. This year, they're going to have even more of a job fair, but they're also going to be dealing with the business-to-business aspect. Do you feel that there's something to to be gained by having businesses meeting other businesses within the community to be able to service them as well? It's a tremendous incentive. You know, uh, we we know from halacha you're supposed to try and uh, patronize your own. Everybody went to the Chafetz Chaim's little store. I don't know if the prices were any better, if the selection was better, but you went to that store and we all would have loved to have, uh, would have loved to <laughs> shop there. Same thing here. We can all help each other and we should all help each other. And we have a basis of trust. In our world, in the world of security, trust is just about everything. And here we're already starting off on third base in terms of trust. Yeah, I think we should tell that to Target. They might gain something from that as well. Uh, you know, and uh, we, we all like to laugh at or we, we, we have to feel sorry for these people because I'll tell you something. It could and does happen to all of us. Yep. In the Fortune 1000, uh, an Israeli research firm 
has uh, come out with pretty compelling evidence that all 1,000 top companies in the world have been hacked. Wow. And uh, I certainly believe it. It's just that people don't understand what it means to be compromised. Typically what it means is they're not going to go in and steal some money from you because that's a small crime. What they are going to do is steal bidding information from you Hmm. because that's a great crime. And we have to realize that we live in a world now where people do not understand what the threats are. And at the end of the day, the biggest part of security is knowing who to trust, which humans to trust. So the Parnassa Expo, like I said, lets you come together with people where you can have an assumption of trust as opposed to an assumption of mistrust. That's beautifully said. And, you know, the underlying um, raison d'etre there is that when we use the word trust, we know that the people who uh, founded the Parnas Expo, W. Honig included, are um, B'nai Torah, who know that that the only trust that we have is in a Kaddish Baruch, and that people are merely shlichim. They are merely the emissaries, of which you were, obviously, with um, Avram Meir. Avram Meir, welcome to the, uh, to the microphones. Glad you're here. Tell us what brought you to the Parnassah Expo and what you were able to uh, discover through your meeting with, uh, with Tzvi. Well, thank you, uh, Rev Peretz. It's a pleasure to renew my acquaintance with you after so many years. Right. It was right after Grant took uh, Richmond, I think, right? <laughs> I think so. I think so. Uh, For me, it was a natural to get to the Parnas Expo because I had not been employed full-time for three years. I had tried a number of different enterprises, and uh, in in some sense, I was concerned that a person that was my age and that had my appearance would have difficulty in going back to a high-paying Parnassa that I had been accustomed to for the previous 20 years. I gravitated naturally to the technology uh, section of the fair, because I have had many, many years in technology. And there were a number of very enthusiastic speakers who uh, were very, very interesting to listen to, but two of them stood out. One of them was Reb Tzvi, who uh, I'm sitting with here today, and the other was a gentleman named Baruch Plagman. I'll tell you what the two taught me at, at that time. Baruch Plagman talked about the fact that we should not look at our hard skills as much as we should look at our soft skills. How would you distinguish between the two? Well, hard skills means that you're a programmer, that you know C, you know PHP, you know uh, uh, different networking systems, you know TCP IP. Those are hard skills. Soft skills are the ability to engender trust and enthusiasm, leadership, managing people. Those are soft skills. And what Rebaruch said in his public speech was that we don't realize the value of our soft skills. And that was news to me, because well, he was right. In- intriguing. Now, Tzvi, was that something you did intuitively? How, how, did, you, um, f- how did you ferret this out from Avram Meir? That, was, that was Baruch. Oh, oh that was Baruch, okay. Right, and I, I wanted to leave Tzvi here, because uh, Rebaruch is not here to follow up on this. But that's what, that, that was the message that I got from his talk, and it was, it was enlightening to me. It was news. Uh, Reb Tzvi got up and spoke about the various things that he does, and what I learned there was that a fellow like Reb Tzvi can be playing uh, on an international level, looking the way he looks and speaking the way he speaks. He's a very he wears his religion and his yadus on his sleeves. Yeah, well, we can we can hear how he speaks, which is Baruch Hashem, articulate and and, and, and eloquent. And I, if you don't mind my saying so, Tzvi, I mean. Tzvi is unabashedly, you, you would have no um, reservations about, or you would not get confused in distinguishing him as a uh, 
definitively as somebody who's a member of the Orthodox community. He dresses such. He's very distinguished, dresses in um, very, I would say, what was it in, uh, not, not Novartic, in uh, Slobodka, where they talked about the, the godless Adam. And I think Tzvi, with his, his height and stature and with his uh, appearance, gives a very princely appearance, so he gives off uh, an aura of somebody who represents the dignity and covetator. You know, I need to interrupt here. It's great that you guys are all complimenting me, and I'm very flattered. No flattery. I'm very very disappointed that you haven't mentioned my greatest quality. Uh, Would that be humility, perhaps? That's correct, yes, humility. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. I didn't want to bring it up myself, but I'm glad you did. It's not my fault if it's true, but the the truth is you lent your time to this during during the event. Now... (coughs) What what other things did you see when you were speaking to Avram Mayer? What were some of the things that you were interested in uh, unfold, having him unfold and covering, which led you to perhaps give him the recommendation that you did? Avram Mayer, uh, when he mentions his appearance and that, you know, imagine him saying, we're obviously... It was also radio, dignified and stately in his own way. I mean, it, uh, very much so. So when he says, oh, my appearance and my age, I felt unconfident. I felt he had been... Uh, not fully gainfully employed for three years, though I must remind you that he's a pulpit rabbi, which is what I consider gainful employment. However, um, what I find is that many, many people, the people that you can really help the most are the people that, in fact, you don't have to help at all. Everything's already there. They have all the skills. As he said, the soft skills. Soft skills means the ability to make people trust you, make people like you, make people listen to you, make people realize that you're useful to them or that you can be useful to them. So all I did with uh, Avram Mayer was he came to Brooklyn, we had lunch, and I just sat there grilling him on everything he had ever done in his technical career. And then at one point, I'm going to let him uh, take up the rest of that story, but he said two words which uh, set me off and I said, do you have any idea how useful that is? I'm going to let him talk and then I just want to come back and explain what many of the people in your audience have that other people don't have. That'd be fascinating to know. What were the two words? It was risk management, actually. I told Rubzvi that I was looking for a field that my middle age was not a chassarin or a fault and that my orthodoxy was not a chassarin or a fault. And I realized that risk management might be an area where people would tend to trust somebody who is older and more mature and religious with tremendous, a tremendous value system. And then Svi said to me, you know, that is a very big field. There are tremendous opportunities there. And I said, I'm looking at it. And I, I said that there was a training session on a new section, so to speak, of risk management that hadn't yet emerged in the United States, and that was the ISO 31000 discipline in risk management. And I said, you know, I think that the barrier, the bar for entry is probably quite low because it isn't here yet. Mm -hmm. And he said, you look into that, you go for it. And the, the rest is history. Baruch Hashem, I've been very successful. Wonderful, and so you should continue to be. We're at 718-683-5858. If you have a question now, because these gentlemen are uh, en route on the, n- the next part of their, uh, their mutual tours, uh, so I don't want to keep them. 718-683-5858. But if you have a question, now's the time to ask it, or for ever hold your peace, or call me a little bit later. Tzvi, you had a, a comment that you wanted to make. We'd love to hear from it. When... Um when Avram Bayer says that the bar was low, 
for ISO 31000, it's actually not true. The bar's very high. It just so happens that for him it was low because he understood the field. So he had the skills. Now think about this. If you are in your 50s or your 60s out there, here's the one thing you have. You have trust. Also, you come from a generation that knows how to work, that knows responsibility. When you're dealing with 20-year-olds, there are some very uh, good ones out there, but I'll tell you from experience, you have people who you can't trust at all. Look at Edward Snowden. Look at all these people where they believe that they're doing a real Kiddush Hashem by being disloyal to their employers, their countries. Why? Because they believe they're citizens of something bigger. Yeah, well, we're we, all citizens sure. of something bigger, but we all know what that is, and that's something where you are going to have the virtues of loyalty and modesty and probity and all these, these, these things that are going to get the job done, as opposed to an employer who has to sit there looking at you going, are you going to decide that what I'm doing is something you don't like and now it's going to be all over Twitter? So you have to think right now, you have a tremendous advantage being older. We know that your confidence level is not there, mm -hmm. especially if you haven't been employed for a while, but it should be because you should walk in very calmly and don't try and hide who you are because I will tell you, it's great not to hide who you are. Why? Sometimes I'll walk into a meeting and there'll be someone there who obviously doesn't like me. We get to, as they say, getting to no quickly and getting to yes quickly are both quite good. Mm -hmm. Getting to a no where someone, you walk in and they obviously dislike you, great. You have no beating around the bush and they just go, thank you very much, goodbye. But a person, you will find that a lot of people like you for what you are and that you stand your ground. Even if they're not from, even, you know, I find unfortunately the typical people that I will have problems with are very secular. They feel that we're ruining it for them. I understand. They come from, they come from an atmosphere of fear and they come from an atmosphere of ignorance. Nothing really they can do. But you have to go out there and be extremely calm. I'll tell you one thing. A lot of people called me after the Parnassa Expo. And right away in, on the phone, I could just tell you whether they were going to be employed or not. How mm -hmm. do I know? When a person sits there, A, complaining about their previous employer, I really don't want to know. It's not nice. It's not polite. It's like complaining about your Rebbe. I, I don't want to know. Tell me what you're going to do in the future for me or for someone else. And second, if they were underconfident. If they're underconfident, that's okay, but if, if they're being humble. If they're beating themselves up, Nobody wants to know that. That's your business. That's between you and your family, between you and your rov, not between you and a potential employer. So these were things that you were obviously able to um, give over to people as, as well. I'm sure that's something which uh, came out of your conversations with people during the, the course of the event. And I, I wanted to ask you along, along those lines, when people come to an event like the Parnassa Expo, what do you think they should come? Should they come in with that attitude that you're, that you're talking about now? Do you think that, that will be helpful? People should come in with an attitude of knowing that uh, there's something that they can do and they just need to be pointed in the right direction? Right. You have to walk in. When someone is looking at you, I, I used to teach uh, university for, for a while. And uh, the final exam, what I did was I had each kid come in for a 15-minute job interview. And I told them that. I said, you're coming in for a job interview. You're not coming in for a final presentation. Job interview. And I would be the boss from Gehenna. When they walked in, if they were carrying something in their right hand, I'm not kidding, and you know you can't see this on radio, but I'm a very large, imposing, terrifying-looking individual, I would slap it out of their hand. 
and these kids would be, and I said, look, if there's something in your right hand, how are you going to shake my hand? And then I would take them through the paces. And then at the end, you know, I had some kids crying or sweating or whatever. And I said, look, if I don't want to employ you, I don't want to employ you. If I do want to employ you, most bosses will use the strategy of trying to downgrade you to the point where you won't ask for too much. And that's the way business is done. So you had better come in and be very confident so that I see a cartoon bubble above your head going, hire me, I'm going to be useful. A lot of the young people today don't realize that if you're paying them 50 grand, you'd better be making 150 grand off of their work. They think if you're paying them 50, you should be making 50. Why? They've been learning the wrong things in school, the wrong things. Um, you know, laissez-faire market capitalism is not taught. Yeah, that's right. Every, that's... Everything out there is effectively um, the opposite of that, and therefore these people are useless. Well, hopefully we say that there's nothing wrong with college as long as you're willing to learn something after. But, you know, many of the people in our community uh, have not attended university and do very, very well. So obviously that's not the, uh, the sine qua non for success in the, in the business marketplace. Having the the requisite skills, though, are so. What do you think you walked away with, our mayor? Just in conclusion, let's you know just hear your parting words and see if you want to tell anybody else anything that you feel they might gain. We'd like to hear from you before you're on your way. Well, from Mr. Plagman from Baruch, I walked away with the confidence, the, uh, the a better self awareness of my skills. From Reb Tzvi, I walked away with the chutzpah and the audacity to start an international business. Wow. I would say that's quite a, a statement to be able to walk away with. All that at the Parnassa Expo, which is going to be coming up three times the size at the uh, Raritan Center, at the uh, New Jersey Exposition Center, is coming up in March. So you want to make note of that, March 25th and 26th. And we're hoping to see uh, everybody there. If you've got a business that uh, could service another business or you're going to be looking for work, don't hesitate to let us know and give them a call. I want to thank very much the CEO of uh, Recursion, that is Reb Tzvi Bar Lavav, a uh, distinguished member of our community and somebody who we, uh, we are all going to be looking forward to things in the future. Reb Avramir Gluck, I want to thank you for joining us as well. We wish you continued Hutzlach in all your endeavors, and we hope we'll see everybody at the Pornos Expo. Thanks for joining us here on The Revolution, Parrots B Front and Center Talk. We'll be back with more. Thank you.
oy khazi 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 yebun oy khavivai khazi khazi yebun oy khavivai oy oy de mishtakhi betsar dil oy vioskin Chazi, chazi, gibunai, gibunai, chavivai, chazi, gibunai, chavivai. Demishtakim betzarum, betzarum, bilioim, vioskim bechedvesu Oh, yo, 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 yo,
This is Perez B. The Reb. Thanks for joining us today. Our talk lines are 718-683-5858. And you can talk to me about anything. I don't claim to know everything. Thanks for joining the revolution. You'll remember some months ago, we had the pleasure of talking with Rabbi Chaim Goldberger, a a well-known Rav in the Minnesota area, Minneapolis, Minnesota, who was really instrumental in helping to gain the freedom of Mrs. Wendy Rungi, who, as you know, was um, imprisoned on a, uh, a a charge which he was really set up for, and through the diligent, valiant efforts of Rabbi Goldberger, galvanizing media, galvanizing people, and through the chesed of a Kaddish Baruch Hu, putting in a new judge, Mrs. Rungi was released. That a lot of that had to do with uh, obviously the tillers of everybody that was out there, and the undaunted, unrelenting efforts of uh, Rabbi Goldberger, who is now joining us today to speak about. Something that would have a lot to do with what Mrs. Rungi went through and her own ability to endure it, and that is the the very important concepts of Amuna and Betachen. And uh, Rabbi Goldberger has a rather extraordinary practical program for each of us that if you listen carefully, you're going to be able to implement right as of this moment as you hear it and see how it's going to make a difference in your life. Thank you again for joining us, Rabbi Goldberger. How are you, Rabbi Baruch Hashem. Sorry for the uh, for the delay. We just had another guest in the studio that uh, we're just wrapping up. I saw the um, the work which you published on Amuna Betachin, and it's unlike anything else that I've ever seen. Of course, it incorporates many of the things that we see in Kavos Lavos and uh, some of the other great Musa works on Amuna Betachin. But here, you took it to a level where a person could go through the steps that they could put into practice each and every day and somehow measure the success of that Amun and Batakan. Can you tell me what the what the um the core of the program is and maybe walk us through some of the steps? Certainly the the essence of it is that I, I always felt that that's the piece that was missing in all this farm uh, in particular on Bitachon 
really emuna and bitachon are two different things. They're two different mitzvahs, actually. And uh, while it's possible to have uh, it's possible to have emuna without having bitachon, it's not possible to have bitachon without first having emuna. Is that is, is that what they compare the, the the fruit and the tree analogy? Is that right? You can have a tree without fruit, right. but you can't have the fruit without tree. That's correct. And, uh, and I really felt that what was missing in all of this forum that I've studied is something that takes it to the practical level. So let's say a person decides, I want to become a Bobby Tuckle. How do you do it? I understand that uh, it's, it's something that comes uh, even perhaps naturally to a, a big Balmadrega, but a uh, person, a simple person, uh, looks at the situation and says, well, how do I get there? And there was nothing that I could find that uh, that gave a uh, almost like a step by step program for how to get there, and that's what I felt I could contribute. Well, uh, I, and in looking at it, uh, I felt very uplifted, and it's obviously something that you can't just gain from looking at merely once, like the Masilis Yisharim. Uh, says you have to go through it repeatedly and do a kazor on it. But walk us through some of the the major and key points that you mentioned in the in the treatise and things that our, our audience today could walk away with. If you could mention several of those things. Certainly. I, th- I think the biggest problem that we find immediately if a person wishes to live on Bitachon, so he says, well, Hashem is committed to giving me what I need, but uh, how do I know that he agrees with my assessment of what I need? Right. Let's say I, I feel that I need something, and I'm going to wait for it, and he's going to provide it, and then it won't come. So I'll, I'll always ha- have the out where I could say, well, I guess in Shemayim they didn't agree that I needed it, and that's why I didn't get it. But that leaves one without any, any knowledge. If, did, I, did I not do Bitafon correctly, or did I do it correctly for the wrong item? There's no way to know, and then there's no way to improve the next time. So how, do so you, how, the, yeah, how, how, can, we, how can we improve on that then? So one of the steps that I developed was a way for determining exactly what my need is to the point that I can be certain that it would be agreed upon in Shemayim. And the, the, the underlying concept is that the reason why we can make mistakes about the accuracy of what our needs are is because we have natural bias. We, each, each person, Adam Karovetz Alatzmo, a person is, is too close to himself, and he doesn't know for certain what uh, he really needs and what he only thinks he needs. Well, the solution to that is to get out of yourself. And so in one of the steps of my, what I call the six steps of Bitachon, is to take a Chavrusa and to work through with the Chavrusa my claim that I have a certain need. And my Chavrusa's job is to argue back and to say, no, I'm just fooling myself, and it's really not a need, it's just a desire, and it's not something that... Uh, that, 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 that I uh, should be entitled to receive, even using Bitachon. But if I succeed in convincing my Chavrusa after a back-and-forth discussion, my Chavrusa concedes that, uh, that to me it, it's, it's truly a need, and this is not something where I'm fooling myself, then we are able to, number one, come much closer to the, to the real possibility that it is a need that Shemayim would agree upon, but there's one step beyond you know, the Torah tells us, Torah lo he, which means who is authorized to make determinations about realities in this world. 
The Torah itself has told us that that's in our hands. And so if we were to go through the efforts to make sure that we are as close as humanly possible to the accurate truth, and then we paskin that this is what it is, it actually becomes something that in Shemayim they accept. Uh, that, that's remarkable. Now, when you say kabrusa, that could mean somebody who is just a close cover, a, a lady could do it, well, a woman would do it, obviously, with somebody who she felt close to, and a man would do it with somebody who he felt close to, and who has, I guess this would be a prerequisite, right, that they have their best interest at heart. And it's not merely a, a, a diatribe of that the person is a foil playing devil's advocate. The person is actually listening to what you're saying, to see if it's a need or a want, and then seeing if it's something that you're persisting in, um, giving you the the encouragement to say, okay, you know, I think this is something you should adopt for. Is that is that, is that along those lines? It's exactly right. And um, I, I have run uh, workshops where I've had people sitting at tables, uh, and one person would volunteer to uh, to argue for a need, and and everyone else at the table would challenge them, and and the the human insights. That, that emerge from this process are remarkable. People learn so much about themselves going through this process that after, after we're completed with that process, it's actually not even surprising that these six steps should work because we can feel the growth. Wow. Can you tell us what the other five steps are? And also, is each step contingent upon the preceding step, or can you just do... Uh, one or or all of them, or is it as the word steps indicates something which uh, elevates in madregas something you need to do the first step, first, second, third, and subsequently after that? Well, it, it's a six step process, and so the the result, which is that I can rely comfortably, safely knowing that my bitachon will be responded to, doesn't occur until you've done all six steps. The uh, Beis Halevi actually says. That, uh, that the feeling of bitachon is a feeling of complete tranquility. When a person knows with certainty that he's going to get what's coming to him. And very often we find that we believe intellectually that Hashem is going to provide everything, but the bottom line is it's hard for us to rest comfortably on an emotional level. And that is the, the purpose of hishtadlus. Hishtadlus is the effort that we make to close the gap between what we know and what we feel. And so one of the steps as you progress, one of the steps is determining what is my particular chiv of hishtadlus for this particular need. That step is also done with the chavrusa because it's easy to fool myself. But um, <coughs> those are the, 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 the two most, those are the key steps of the six because they enable me both to know if I'm ready to trust Hashem for the right thing, and if I have enough knowledge of what my job is going to be so that I can be comfortable that Hashem is going to do His job. How can we find out more about it? Can you give us a number or a, uh, an email address? Anybody who would like to find out more about the program can t- contact Rabbi Goldberger at, if you could tell us how we could find out more about accessing and um, joining the program. Well, God willing, uh, in a number of months I should have a... Uh, safer out and uh, in publication. But in the meantime, uh, anyone is welcome to reach me on uh, my email at uh, rabbi, R-A-B-B-I, at knessetisrael.org. That's K-E-N-E-S-S-E-T-H, Israel.org. Um, 
and I'd be happy to respond to anyone who would like to know more. Okay, well, we're looking forward to seeing the book when it comes out and having you join us on the broadcast once again. Regards to Mrs. Rungi, and I want to thank Rabbi Chaim Goldberger for being with us here on Front and Center Talk, Peretz be the Reb. Hatzlacha and bracha, and hope to speak to you again very soon. Amen. Thank you very much. All right, this is Parents V, the Reb. I don't claim to know everything. You can talk to me about anything right here on the station that listens to you. And, of course, J-Root and TLS around the corner and around the globe. So I just want to wish everybody in uh, the New York tri-state area a, a good afternoon and Yerushalayim a good evening. And remember, in the words of Hillel, the rest is commentary. Now go and learn.